0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we can meet together and we can learn from you today, Father God. We just bless your holy name. We lift you up and we acknowledge your sovereignty
1: in our life. Lord a little
0: bit of housekeeping I just command any lying spirits that are in this building today to leave now in Jesus name what has the enemy stolen from you I believe God's laid this message on my heart, and he's been speaking to me about it for quite some time. About taking back what the enemy has stolen from us. What has he stolen from you? I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took whack what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Okay. Well, I don't know about you but I'm not sure I want Satan under my feet might actually trip over him, you know, like you do when your cat's trying to get your attention. And also, I don't particularly want to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. After all, is that not what Jesus did for us? He did that work. I don't have to go and do it. Why would I be under the misapprehension that I could do better than what he has already accomplished? Did Jesus actually say to say this to us? And what do we do? And um, and um, go out and find what has been stolen and rip it back out of the enemy's hands? Did he say that? Not that I know of. Jesus has already done the work. Our job is to believe this and accept it. The enemy's job is to convince you that that's not true. He might say to you, you can't have it. It's lost. You don't deserve it. It's too late. It's not possible. You have mucked up so bad it's irretrievable. You are too old. You're too young. Your health will not allow it. You will never be able to recover from the hurt. The grief that you feel will always consume you and that you must simply live with it. You have been disappointing to God. You will never have enough money to accomplish anything you will always be in debt. The list is endless. He knows you very, very well. He knows which buttons will push you. Whatever he can fire at you, he will. Just going back a bit here. I was brought up in a God-fearing Christian home with parents who loved God and who loved me. Don't get me wrong, there were lots of things not quite right in our household. That's probably a story for another time, but I was brought up with a good foundation in God. My father fell away from the church and sort of went his own way. I say the church and not Jesus because I don't believe he ever fell away from him. Um, went his own way for a very long time. In 2003, he got a diagnosis of lung cancer. And he was given probably about eight months to live. He actually died in 2005. And in that time, um, God met him. Not through anybody coming and Bible bashing him. God met him, actually, at the hospital Um, very early on in the diagnosis when he had to go and have his lung drained and um, he started speaking in tongues out of nowhere God met him on his terms where he was at so he died knowing where he was going which was such a comfort to his family God gave him back what was stolen from him. He gave it back to him. Tenfold. He died knowing that God would love God loved him and that he was going to spend eternity with him. That kind of wasn't the story I was going to tell, but it's a good thing to mention something that was restored but before it was too late. In our house, going back to our household, there was quite an overbalance of what I would call super spiritual things going on. You know, it was very um, spiritual orientated, you know. There were demons around every corner waiting to leap out at me or on me. Demons were playing havoc with the aspe- all aspects of my life and those around me. It was so much that I grew... As I grew up, I began to reject the spiritual altogether. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to engage with it. Um, It was all too much. In fact, I would kind of get angry if people would pray spiritual warfare kind of prayers around my children. I was sort of protective of... What I'd gone through, my experience with that, I thought I don't want them to, you know, um, have that experience as well. I took my eyes off Jesus. I gave the enemy permission to steal something off me that God had instilled in me. Let me explain this. I've had a few prophetic words over me that I'm a warrior. Now, how would you effectively disarm a warrior? You would convince them that the enemy was not actually engaged in doing anything, that there is no strategy to overthrow. This would render the warrior ineffectual. After all, who are they fighting? What is a warrior without a real conflict to engage in? In effect, I was robbed. I'm so glad that God did not give up on me and persisted to break down those walls and is still doing so. I'm not quite there yet, but he loves me so much and he has a job for me to do. My job now is to actively disengage listening to the enemy's propaganda. I love that word, propaganda. It's, it's something you see in wars you know, propaganda, they'd drop, in the Vietnam War, they would drop bombs with pamphlets that that um, would come out and say all sorts of terrible things about the opposition. Uh, it means publicity, advertising, marketing, marketing hoopla, puffery, hype misinformation, disinformation, I didn't even know that was a word, indoctrination, party line, half-truths. Hmm, interesting. So I say the devil engages in propaganda. If you are still not convinced that you are in the midst of a battle, let's go and have a look at some scripture. We need to take this next scripture contextually. Jesus, uh, in John 8, 44, he was talking to the Jews who were trying to trip him up so they could have him arrested. So, So he was talking to them. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of the truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it is perfectly normal. For he is the father of lies. And so when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe it. Matthew seven fourteen. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Can I just have a tissue? <laughs> <Okay. clears throat> I believe God gave me this little meditation for everybody here, those who are listening who will listen later on this is for you as well please use this next illustration as a time of healing for you I want you to close your eyes while we do this let Jesus do a work in you of restoration for that which has been stolen from you imagine that you are on this road. You are walking along the road in the right direction. There are a few people walking alongside of you and before you and behind you. Jesus is directly in front of you. To the side of you and actually off the road is the enemy. He is keeping pace with you. Coming towards you is a huge throng of people going in the opposite direction. There are so many that they are actually blocking the way forward and in some instances they have linked arms to actively block your progress. You notice that Jesus is unaffected by the huge throng and indeed is smiling at them and seems to be moving seamlessly through the crowd. While your eyes are on Jesus, you are able to move through the crowd without stumbling. To your side, the enemy has been continually talking to you. He is saying things engineered to take your eyes off Jesus, such as, see this one that is walking with you? They've been gossiping about you. See the one that is coming directly towards you? They hate you and want to hurt you. See this crowd here? They are hurting your family and want to destroy your children. You are too tired to go on. Just stop and take a breather. No one cares if you stop. You stop for a moment. You put your hands on your knees like a runner would do, who's winded, and you breathe deeply. When you look up, the crowd is still coming towards you, but you cannot see Jesus anywhere. You panic. To the side of you, the enemy is still talking. He never stopped. Jesus has left you behind. You will never catch up. He really doesn't care about you and yours. You have lost sight of him and you can never get that back. He continues with his rhetoric constantly and loudly. All these lies he is spouting to you sound quite believable and you start to flounder looking back over your shoulder and to the side wondering which way to go. The enemy overplays his hand and says, don't call out to Jesus. Something in you registers this as an out and out counter directive to what you know to be true. You stand in the middle of the road and you scream out, Jesus. Suddenly, just in front of you, Where you last saw him is Jesus. He is smiling at you and says, come on, I love you. I've got your back. You've lost no ground. Come on, the journey's not over yet, and I have something special for you. You start to move forward at the same pace you were moving before. Jesus is still in front of you. The enemy is moving alongside you off the road at the same pace and begins talking again. Before he gets a full sentence out, you hold up your hand and point with your index figure at the enemy. While you are doing this, you have not taken your eyes off Jesus. The enemy is rendered speechless. He is unable to speak, although he is trying very, very hard. He has no permission to speak any longer. As long as your eyes are on Jesus and your hand is outstretched, he remains silent. The enemy now changes his tact and starts to incite the people moving in the opposite direction to you to distract you with stuff that you may appeal to you. Self-help programs, something that you've been really wanting to do, whatever that is, he is trying to distract your attention. At the same time, some of those who are travelling in the same direction as you are trying to distract you also. You are steadfastly keeping your eyes on Jesus, but it's getting really hard to concentrate. You call out to Jesus for help. Jesus just raises his hand while he's walking and all is quiet. He says to you, it's not any storms at sea I can calm. And he laughs and he continues to walk on unperturbed. You are refreshed and you begin to breathe easier and even have a bit of a laugh with Jesus. Okay, you can open your eyes. All is restored and all is well with you. What has been stolen from you? The enemy can only steal what we give him permission to steal. How so? We give him permission when we indulge in our self-pity, our resentment, our unforgiveness, gossip, self-indulgence. I was listening to a guy called Francis Chan. Has anybody ever listened to him? He's so good. And One of the things he said in this was, he said, we're living in a culture of that everybody on the planet now has an internet page about them. It's all about us. You know, we put our thoughts on this internet page, Facebook, you know, and and we tell them what we've been doing through the day and what we've learnt and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. It's about us. Very self-indulgent. I'm not knocking Facebook people, you know. I've got a Facebook page. Um, Let's have a look. God can restore anything to you. Please don't look at your circumstances and say it's impossible because nothing is impossible with our God. Your restoration, this is very important. Your restoration and what has been stolen from you may not look like what is in your head. You may have a a preconceived idea of what restoration is for you. Please don't put constraints on God. He is more than able and willing to do what is best for you and yours. He will not give you back second best. Out of his storehouse, he will only give you the purest gold. When you pray for restoration and what has been stolen from you, relinquish your hold on the reins. Stop looking at those who have perpetrated the crime, whatever that is. They are not your enemy. This is very important. They are not your enemy. Your brothers and sisters are not your enemy. The enemies out in the, in the in the world are not your enemy. There is one enemy. He tries to divert and say, look what that person has done to you. Look how they've ruined your life chances are that person has been operating under huge amounts of lies as well they are not your enemy your circumstances are not your enemy he will try to get you to look at the p- perpetrator and not those and not those who held the metaphorical gun He is the perpetrator, and he will try to get you to look at the person who was holding that gun. If he can keep you looking at someone else, then you have effectively given him permission to continue operating. Forgiveness is one of your biggest weapons. It is so contradictory to the way the world works that it can only come from God. The battle over forgiveness is huge and that's because it renders the enemy ineffectual. You know, we often say to ourselves, I just can't do it, I can't do it. I don't feel that, I don't feel that. The, the weapon that, um, that forgiveness is, is so, so potent that he will work on that probably more than anything else is your unforgiveness or your bitterness or your resentment of a situation that you've been put in. When you pray for restoration, what has been stolen from you, do not put conditions on this. Do only what the Lord tells you to do and nothing else. Nothing else. I was I was reminded of Sarai and Abram when they were waiting to have a baby. Okay? God had told them, you will have a child. But Sarai got very impatient with that and they went their own way with that. The consequences of that is now we have the Islamic nations. Right? That. They eventually did get their promised child, but the diversion that they took has had lasting consequences down the line. So don't put your own constraints on what God can do for you. Do only what he says to do. For those problem solvers out there, pull your head in. Consult your commander in chief. You cannot do it better than him. You are right in the middle of a battle and only your commander can lead you out of it. Newsflash, you can't do it without him. So Lord, I just pray. I pray, Father God, that you seal this message in our hearts. That you undertake with those who are hurting, who are operating in circumstances that are intolerable to them. Father God, I ask for restoration in this place today.
1: I just feel um, on behalf of the church that I need to take back things that have been taken from us. So please just join with me in prayer. In the name of Jesus and for LifePoint Church, I renounce and I rebuke every negative, every untrue word that has been spoken against us. We declare a curse cannot fall without, um, without cause. And I speak healing into each person who has given cause for the curse to fall. We forgive them and we release them in Jesus' name and we break and bind the power of those words hovering around and about us waiting, waiting for a little crack to come in and fall as a curse on this place. I rebuke you, I renounce you in the name of Jesus and I command you in the name of Jesus to be gone from this church this body of people go back to where the words came from, not to the people who spoke them, but back to the pit of hell where you belong. Holy Spirit, I invite you to restore back to life point both corporately and individually. Restore to us what has been taken from us. Restore to us which has been ineffective within us because of the lies of the enemy. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you for your goodness toward us. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you for this word and knowledge which you have given to Vicky and she has um, been faithful to bring it to us this morning. Father, I pray for each brother and sister here in this room and who is listening, that, Father God, they would truly embrace Your restoration to them. In Jesus' name, amen.